Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Right, we will start with the Irish Derby and what to do with the Irish Derby, when to run it, how to get more people there and generally sort out some serious problems, I think, Ian, in terms of... Just yes, the well, the, the, it's a race which has been run at various different times over the years. It used to be run on a Saturday afternoon at what one would turn a conventional time. So around about quarter past three, yeah. so ITV could take it after the Northumberland plate at 2.55 and the B would cover it as well. Mm -hmm. It moved Sunday to Sunday. Uh, I've only ever been to one, which was a Sunday, which was packed uh, and seemed to work. It then came back to a Saturday, but mm -hmm. Saturday evening, I think because RTE insisted, because they wanted yes. the viewing figures higher. In Ireland. In Ireland. So, um, and they had a quite, a, I mean, they've, they've, they've gone through a well-publicised uh, renewal and uh, renovation of the course there, but they only could turn up with 11,500 or so on Saturday afternoon. So there is a question about what they do with it, where they go. Uh, it's... Um, the choice they have, I suspect, is do you want a big international viewing audience, move it to 315-ish, get an ITV over here? Do you just uh, uh, keep it with the RTE biggest audience that they want, which is probably where it is now? Uh, it depends what the sponsors want as well. I mean, Dubai do you do you sponsor it and have done for almost probably over a decade, mm. in fact, Yeah, now. since Budweiser uh, stopped. They obviously are putting the majority of the cash in, mm -hmm. so it may come down to where they want it to be run, and or like, when they want it to be Like run. all these things, when things are going wrong for you, you get bad luck as well. It's just sod's law. It will determine. So this year they had the GAA game going off at exactly the same time, so that was a, that was a disaster yeah, as well. That would have attracted a lot of Irish. Um, they would have gone to the football or a horror match. Mm. You know, they, they'd probably... You watch more, see more of that than the wood racing, anyways. Uh, but it is a—it's a great race, and it needs—if it wants to retain its position in the international uh, pantheon of great horse races, then they—they they do need to do something to sort of burnish its status. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's the Irish Derby last week's uh, Irish Derby. It was another sweep for Aidan O'Brien. What to do? Where to put it? What are your thoughts? You can get in touch with us. Yates is not David Yates. Not not on the program this week. It's Darren Yates, Jamie Osborne, who this week has removed his horses from Phil Kirby, with whom he was be beginning a burgeoning alliance, including paying a record price for a store at Donkster Sales. You remember him from exploits such as Black Lion and the two ex-Jigginstown horses in the Grand National, of course. Yes, and look, it's his prerogative to do what he wants with his, ho with his own horses. He's uh, paid for them. But I think he rather insulted our intelligence last week with his half page in the Racing Post saying it was all about superstition. I mean, what did he do? Go and have his tarot cards read and Dan Skelton's face came out. <laughs> you know, I mean, poor old Phil Kirby, who is a very good trainer. Um, you know, he, you know, in a blaze of glory, he spent 600 grand on this, on, on this store horse. Phil Kirby and him are going on this journey. Phil Kirby hasn't had a chance to run these horses and all of a sudden they're in Dan Skelton's. And he says it's because he's superstition. Now, what's changed? Nothing has changed. Um, what Mr. Yates, and look, clearly I'm never going to train for him, but, um, you know, he has put himself in a category now where trainers just think of him as flaky. He, they think of this guy is temporary. I'm going to have to train my horses looking over my shoulder. I am at the mercy of one bad run and the thing disappearing somewhere else. So his days in racing... He needs to have a little chat with himself and a little alignment of where he wants to go because there are categories of owners and thankfully there aren't too many that do what he's done 
but I think it's absolute disgrace that a fella like Phil Kirby, who is a very good trainer, building, he's got a young family and he's building his business, doesn't even have a runner for the guy, and off he goes and blames, he says, I'm superstitious. What happens when he goes for his next tarot reading and Nicky Henderson's face comes out? <laughs> well, they'll be off to seven barrows, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Mr Yates, if you're unhappy about my thing, but I just think that sort of behaviour is just wrong. Well answered. I'm seeing Jamie Osborne. <laughs> Very <Not>. angry. <laughs> Very angry. Um... <laughs> The next talking point is something rather more uh, rather serious, and I know James Savage wants to talk about this when he comes in a little bit later on. This is the member of Simon Crisford's stable staff who was fined by the British Horse Racing Authority for a kicking a horse in the groin, Ian. That was what we learned from the BHA in the, in the race course stables. Simon Crisford has said it's clearly unacceptable. I will be disciplining said member of stable staff personally. What do we think of that? Yes, you'd have to ask these two more uh, about it than me because this is, this is a, a very difficult horse to deal with by all uh, accounts, is it not? I uh, don't so, so we are told. Simon Crisford has not come out and tried to defend said member of stable staff. I suppose, Jamie, the only person who can really empathise with Simon's situation might be you. So if you were told your stable, stable member of your stable staff had done something similar, what would you do? Uh, get rid of them. Uh, because, you know, there is a line that one should not cross. Um, and I think that if, if this has occurred, you know, that is completely unacceptable. Um, but, you know, we've got to be careful here because the, who, was the, who was the person who got fined for waving his arms? <laughs> you know, um, you know, we've got to be very careful. Henry yeah, we've got to be very careful that we don't, you know. If, but that wasn't a welfare issue. That was, well, that, that was to do with him being at the start okay, on the track, which you're not right, allowed to the do. The fine was quite similar, wasn't it? Or... I, I, don't, I don't know, but I mean, look, if, if, if lads are mistreating a horse, uh, absolutely. Well, they don't, shouldn't be in racing. Mm. Um, but I think there is, you know, uh, animal behaviour, horse behaviour. We are the people who study it and should know all about it. And there is a time to be hard on a horse and there is a time not to be hard on a horse. Um, but that is unacceptable. Uh, is there ever a case for... Using using force that other that, that those looking on from outside might deem to be a little unpalatable. Yes, there is, but yeah. you have to understand the animal and understand the animal's psyche uh, to do that. And but we have to be aware of the fact that we may well be judged by normal criteria rather than horsey criteria. Let's talk about the jockey's title and who is likely to win it. It's brewing up into the closest battle for a number of years <coughs> at this stage of the season. Anyway, it might be very different in, in due course. Um, Danny Tudhope is the man with the momentum at the moment, uh, Jimmy. Um, Sylvester D'Souza was favourite going into the season and Asheen Murphy was the man with the momentum for the first sort of three months of the season. How do you see it playing out? Who's going to win? Who would I like to see win? Um, yeah, who would you like to see win? That's probably a better well, question. Sylvester's done it uh, twice. Asheen's... He's only a young boy. I think he'll, he, he, will do, he will be champion at some point. I would like to see Danny. I think he's an excellent rider. He struggles with his weight seven days a week. Very, very good rider. Uh, all round, do you know what I mean? He, he can ride, in the, as you see him, in Royal Ascot. You know, he's, he's, he's rolled four Royal Ascot winners. He can go be top around Catrick. He can be top at Royal Ascot. And a lovely guy. Um, so, sorry, Gavin. Sorry, O'Shane. I'd like to see, you know... Um, 
Danny, Danny winning. Danny, yeah. uh, it, w- just assessing the likelihood of their opportunities from here until the end of the season. Barty, who, well, who takes it? Who would you back if you're going to have a bet now? <laughs> you give me a fiver at last. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know. It's a tough one, though, because the, 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 they're going to ride a lot of horses now and a lot of winners from now to the end of August. Then it becomes hard, doesn't it? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. suddenly the evening racing stops, the fixture list uh, drops down or whatever. You get September, October, and I mean, it would be great... It would be really fun if it went to the final day of Ascot now, isn't it, on Champions Day, mm. uh, if it went that long as a competitive battle. I think as long as, as, long as Oisin doesn't come on your show too often and you don't, you've got to stop playing him with drink, <laughs> then he's got every chance of becoming <laughs> the champion jockey. And I would back him to do it. But you just keep him off this show. Just mind those pastries. You want to see what's just under here. Mind those, <laughs> mind those pastries. They're laced with something deadly, I think. <laughs> uh, right, so I think we've got no closer to deciding who's going to win the jockey's title, but at least Jimmy has expressed some interest to who'd like to win the jockey's title. Uh, Danny Tudhope. Fixture reduction for the first time in a long time. The BHA have announced the fixture reduction for next year. Now, is this going to make the requisite difference and is it going to have a positive effect Barty? I think 20 fixtures gone from the 2020 20 fixtures fixture isn't going to make a difference at all is it? At all. And if you take 20 out by the time you put 10 extra in at the end of February because there's been some called off 10 extra at uh, September, October because there's some sort of bookmaker trail keeping betting shops open and putting um, extra races on then you're back to where you are. So um, it's a it's a reduction in name only. Uh, it's the a rhino rather <laughs> than rhino. Um, um, yeah, it, it, it's not much, is it? It's, it's the great. Um, it's the great philosophical debate, isn't it? it? It does reduction in fixtures increase the quality and competitiveness of the racing, and is it financially and economically beneficial for the sport? Well, it's, it's scratching the surface if you took it. Were we fifteen, sixteen hundred fixtures? Fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred. Twenty reduction. I think that takes us back to two thousand and sixteen mm. levels. So it's, it's hovered around that thing. It's, it's of no consequence. But is there anything significant on a, on a broader point that the, this is the first time there has been a fixture reduction for several years? Uh, I don't is think, it more I, indicative I don't think there's of anything this? significant about it. And, uh, you know, as you know, I'm fairly outspoken about why I, I think the thing should go. Go on. Uh, I, hang on, we've only got 39 That's seconds. That's fine. You, you can do it in 39 <laughs> seconds. No, I can't. Um, so I don't think... I don't know, you tell me... I, has it been a conscious decision by the race planners to cut the figures or not? Is it just a little chance thing that's occurred? Because no, it's, it's a conscious decision around. to cut, okay. the, well, to cut the figures. Well, if it's, it looks more like a little token gesture to me because it's of no consequence. What should go? What, what, would, what would be the first thing to go? Oh, if you God, were... how long have we got here? You know? Uh, <laughs> ten seconds. <laughs> uh, what should go the funding model? Right, it's a whole different thing, Nick. And you've now got two seconds. Right. Well, the funding model's fine. We'll come back to this in a bit, I think. Um, pressures. This, this has been um, brought about by, by Roderick Duncan's quite moving piece in the Racing Post this week where he said that essentially the, the pressure upon him as a clerk of the course and some of the criticism he'd had to face from certain courses, particularly trainers, had um, forced him into a pretty dark place uh, and his, his mental health suffered as a result. And then that uh, there's a sort of snowball effect during the week in terms of the news, Barty, as, as to how we yeah. again how we look after people in the sport. And, and Katie Stevens bit... also was quoted yeah, as well. Katie was Stevens from Bath from uh, being um, verbally abused by the sound of things by a trainer. I um, I haven't wasn't you was it? 
I haven't. Um, uh, I didn't see. There probably has been some statement from Arc uh, supporting their staff. I didn't see it. It must have come out at some stage, or probably will come out soon. Um, but Clark's the course. Uh, the problem is all of these tracks races uh, race a lot more these days. I suspect with the turf courses, there's a lot more damage done to them because of the number of horses on. They have to be repaired. It's just a lot more pressured thing. This whole this has become not a sport as it was years ago. It's now become an industry. There's a lot more pressure involved in, in uh, for everybody. On it. Exactly. I mean, no, being a clerk of the course by its very nature, Jimmy, is a pretty thankless task. Very rarely people keep patting you on the back, going, "You've done a great job today." No. <laughs> I, I've never seen. I have seen like you, you go there, obviously, and you ask them about the ground, and you know, say the ground's good or it's good to farm and. You know, and when when you're riding race one or whatever, as in race one, they always ask you to, you know, your opinion of the ground, and say like, sometimes it can be. A lot of jockeys get quite annoyed because you say the ground is like, say the ground is good, and it's rained, and say oh, now it's like soft, or good to soft, mm. and they don't change it, and um, say you're riding the last race, and uh, the ground is soft ground, you're in your trainer or whatever they they haven't gone racing, I said oh it didn't go on the ground boss, I said what. It's good ground. I said, no, no, it's soft ground. No, it isn't. It's good ground because they haven't changed it. Um, you would get that as well, Jamie. Five seconds. He's, see, he respects Four, the clock, which is what I like. Point That's of this the, part of the show. <laughs> thank, you for letting, thank you for letting me know. You I've got my hands after two and, and a half years. Him. Exactly. <laughs> Osborne on Sunday next week. <laughs> <laughs> We will conclude. Uh, William Hill announcing 700 betting shop closures. We knew the betting shop closures were coming. We knew there were plenty of them. I think this has taken a few people by surprise. This particular tranche of closures from one firm and at the moment the most powerful firm on the high street. Yes, um, they uh, must have announced an uh, announcement because um, they're a listed company, stock exchange, because the the Labrooks Corals are say they're probably going to close 900. Um, uh, Jamie alluded to the funding model, which will leave a huge hole in the uh, pot of prize money for the levy because... Oh, well, not prize money, the levy, the, no. the media rights media right. uh, from it. A huge hole. Because media rights payments are on a per-shop basis. Yes. So uh, depending on the size of your retail empire, that's what you pay in, in media rights for the, for the rights to the, for those races to be streamed in the shops. Yes. The, the William Hill uh, estimate is it uh, will be a £21 million. Pound. So if they're closing 700 and Lambrooks Colors are thinking about closing 900... That's another £20 million. Pounds, Don't uh, forget, though, that some of these racecourse groups have already factored it, this yes, into their prize money yes. or attempted to. Yes. Um, you know, so prize money reductions were initiated um, back in February. But that's, um, that's prudent policy, isn't it? Surely, uh, to, to try and preempt what's going to happen yeah, and, to, and to, to budget pass for that. On, if, you, if you simply want to pass on the shortfall in revenue to the owners, uh, you'll cut your prize money. Well, you're either going to pass on the shortfall in the revenue to the owners, or you're going to say, right, we're going to we're, we're going to give people t uh, bad facilities to no, the race. Courses. No, absolutely not. It should be the this is the point at which you realise that the funding model is absolutely broken, mm -hmm. and 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 when this was put in place, and it was dependent on betting shop numbers, and remember, each group or each racecourse negotiated their own deal. Um, so they're all in slightly different positions. They should now see that the retail side of the business is absolutely on the floor and they need to come up with a new idea. And those were this week's Talking Points. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.